you are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. You are about to see. You are about to see. That belongs in a museum. You are about to see the first public exhibition of an entirely new form of entertainment. That belongs in a museum. Welcome to another blockbuster episode of Treasury Cast, the show that looks back at the greatest comics format of all time, the Treasury Edition. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. Joining me to take a look at Limited Collector's Edition C41 Super Friends is our pal and the composer of our awesome theme, Luke Dobb. Hello, Luke. Welcome to the show. Hey, guys. It's uh, really good to be on the show. I'm very, very excited, A, to have you on, because I mean, we've known you for years now. You do such amazing creative work in so many different fields, it's really quite annoying. Uh, but, uh, and of course, uh, thank you for, for composing our awesome theme. I should thank you directly right now. That theme is wonderful. Thank you so oh, much. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to do. It's, yeah, that was that was a blast. It's exactly the thing that I wanted, so it's perfect. So yeah, so Luke is here to talk about, as I said, limited collector. Limited, it's so hard to say. Limited collector's edition. Limited collector's edition. It's like your nuclear, right? Yeah, yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Why did I subject myself to a show where I'm going to be saying it over and over again? C forty one, which is the Super Friends edition. It came out on September fourth, nineteen seventy five. It features two reprints of some classic JLA stories. And the thing that we're really here to talk about, the amazing wraparound material drawn by Alex Stover. So good. Oh, so good. Now we're gonna Gorgeous. Start, yes. We're going to start off with the cover. The cover yeah. is, of course, by Alex Toth with an uncredited assist on Superman's face by Al Plastino, because DC was worried that he wasn't staying on model enough. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. That's why, so that's why it's off. Okay. Yeah, they, they were a little nervous about Alex Toth's rendering of Superman's face, which is ridiculous. It was good enough for yeah. Hanna-Barbera. Uh, I, I mean, wish I could see that. Did they erase his? Do you, how how do you know this? Did they erase Toth's uh, face off this and yes. put the, the other if face on? You go to I believe I think I have the original on my site. I think if you oh. go to the listing for on treasurycomics.com and you go to that listing, you'll see that because the black and the original art does exist. Uh, okay, the way he drew it. So yeah, what I, a tragedy! Because I was going to say like out of this whole piece, the one thing that doesn't really sit with me is Superman's face. But okay, yeah, it's really, really quite silly. And then the funny thing is, you see how we drew Superman's face on the inside cover. Because yeah. on the inside cover, there's another shot of the Super Friends. But I mean, we have to talk about this cover. Is this cover <laughs> not just everything that you love about the Super Friends? I mean, this, this is, is it, everything right? I love about the Super Friends. Yes, uh, this is this is gorgeous. Yeah. I love this piece. I mean, I didn't when, so I was um, I was at a half price bookstore when I picked this up, and uh, and then I you know I immediately reached out to you. I was like, hey, I just found a bunch of Treasury comics. This I think this was like a week after uh, your pilot episode of right. the new podcast, and I I saw this thing. I was like, I've got to grab this, and I've got to talk to Rob. you. You gave me the choice, like, hey, what do you want to do? I want this. Yeah. I want oh. this. <laughs> you, you look at this cover with the rainbow colors in the back, and you just hear that. Yeah. It's just, 
it, this is just so perfect, this cover. I just never tired of looking at it. I mean, yeah. it's got Aquaman, Wonder Woman, Marvin, Wendy, Wonder Dog, Batman, and Robin. It just, I, how any kid could not buy this if they had a dollar? They in must have a stone for a heart. Yeah, it's yeah. just absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's it, 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 this should be a poster. I guess maybe it probably was, I think, at some point. It probably it was. I would. Yeah, it's beautiful. I, I would make it a poster. Yeah. So on the inside, okay. yeah, on the inside cover, we've got another drawing of basically all the same characters, except this time they're waving and they're looking kind of friendly. We've got the table of contents. They're all like, they're welcoming you in. They're like, hey, yeah. kids, come on in. This is when superhero, back when superheroes smiled. Right. So it's an important era in superhero <laughs> history. <laughs> Although I, I have to say about this inside cover, the one thing that is not working for me here is um, are some of the details on Wendy's expression. She okay. looks a little frightening, don't you think? <laughs> she has very big eyes. Very yeah, big like big she's, eyes. she's under some kind of trance. I don't know. Like maybe the Super Friends is a cult and she got indoctrinated and now she really wants you to join too. I'm, I'm be willing to give me the Kool Aid. I'll drink it. It's fine. I did all. I, heck, I did all this in 1975. I was completely, completely on board with the Super Friends. You know, you got, oh yeah, you got everybody there. So yeah, and it gives us a, the tales of con- the table of contents, and we're gonna get. You know, it kicks right off on the opening page with the Super Friends logo, and it has Robin marching Marvin, Wendy, Wonder Dog into the Hall of Justice, and it's written yeah. by E. Nelson Bridwell and drawn by Alex Toth, and and of course. You know, Marvin is thinking that they need help on a case, and Wendy is more, well, I don't know what's going on, of course, and, and Wonder, the Wonder Dog thinks that there's a giant bone coming in his future. Yeah. This is, I mean, Alex Toth did not draw a lot of comic books. He just, he spent most of it. So just seeing him draw, you know, first of all, seeing his artwork at this size is fantastic. It's but a just, treat. Just getting to see all these characters, you know, like, wow, here, here he's drawing the inside of a comic book. So I yeah. mean, you've got this great splash, and but that's nothing compared to what we get on the next page. Oh heck yeah! Oh, uh, this page. Why don't you describe it? Okay, well, so on the upper right-hand corner, we've got the silhouette of Robin uh, opening the door and introducing the uh, the silhouetted figures of Marvin and Wendy and Wonder Dog uh, to this open doorway into the Hall of Justice. Then you see in the upper right-hand corner their surprised expressions, and then gorgeously uh. rendered underneath it <laughs> is the entire Justice League all smiling and all doing a roll call, calling out their names. So you've got Red Tornado, Green Lantern, Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Flash, Green Arrow, Elongated Man, Black Canary, the Atom, and Hawkman. And it, this, this composition just makes my heart smile it's so good yeah this is i mean and in some cases this is the only time alex toth ever drew some of these characters i mean i can't think of another time he ever drew red tornado or elongated man yeah, or right. the adam or Hawkman. i mean this is this is like you're you're never getting to see this and yeah they're just so happy to be all together and you just again you just hear that music and i love the role yep. and i love the body language but alex toth so good that's yeah, so body good language I love speaking of body language, like Wonder Woman, just kind of like leaning in over that table uh, and just kind of, you know, almost like leaning her head into Green Lantern's shoulder there. That's just like a really sweet, intimate moment there with those two. I I love it. It's so good. Oh, it's just it's just so beautiful. So then we go into what this is all about. And it's it's Wendy and Marvin are kind of get, you know, going to get a little tour of what it's like to be, you know, part of the Justice League. They're getting a little intro. It's kind of they want to know more about the JLA. So we've got Wonder Woman says, ask away. And then it goes through their their villains. We see Aquaman in front of 
a big thing of a big uh, trophy of Starro. We see Amazo, yep. talking about Amazo's, the, the, the robot that the superpowers. We see statues of former members, which include the Martian Manhunter. Again, I think another time Alex Toth ever, ever drew the character. Uh, we see yeah, a, right. We see a statue of the loser Snapper Carr. They talk about him. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they say, well, this is, you know, he was a member, a junior member of the JLA, like you were in his teens. There's a statue of Green Arrow in his original costume, and he mentions, you know, hey, this is when he back was a clean-shaven lad. This inspires Marvin to try on the costume. And, of course, yeah. it, you know, it, it's, it doesn't fit him and it drapes over him. And the, the hat pokes over his face and it causes Superman to laugh. And, man, that panel of Superman guffawing. Yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> so nice. <laughs> it's so wonderful. <laughs> He's just so good at this. And so Marvin is like, what's so funny, Superman? And Superman's like, well, that reminds me of the time that we all dressed up as Green Arrow. And he says, sit down and I'll tell you a story. And then that cuts to the first reprint of the book, which is from Justice League of America number uh, 61, which is from March 1968, Operation Jail the Justice League. And it's by Gardner Fox, Mike Sikowski, and Sid Green. And just the, the really brief plot is, is this. It's a Green Arrow arrives at a JLA meeting to tell them that he is quitting the team. He warns them that some disastrous fate awaits the rest of the team and they should all quit superheroing. Surprisingly, the JLA doesn't listen, and they all decide to pose as the Emerald Archer to find out just what's going on. While they fight each of their respective villains as Green Arrow, they are all defeated and mysteriously change bodies with their foes. Then the bad guys are jailed, while the real bad guys get out and go and commit crimes. Uh, what did you think of this, this story, Luke? Uh, this is very old-worldly, golden-age comic to me, uh, where you just kind of have to put that uh, that hat on when you're you're reading it, reading it through those lenses. Like as a kid, I would have I would have uh, had no issue with this comic. It would have right. been a lot of fun. Right. As an adult, it's amazing to me how all you have to do is put on a different outfit, and suddenly you look exactly like your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> no problems there. So no, this was a, this was a lot of fun. The funny thing to me too was Wonder Woman's role <laughs> in this story. And she is bogged down in the fact that she's a woman. She can't. She can't convincingly dress as Greenland or as Green Arrow. So the basically the whole issue, like you kind of early on, you see her um, trying to dress as Green Arrow, and she's looking in the mirror, and she's like, "This just isn't going to cut it." And then you get like close to the end of the story too, and she's still like in her apartment, kind of hanging on to Green Arrow's wardrobe, going, right. "I just don't know what I'm going to do." <laughs> like she spends the whole time looking at her closet. Which yeah, I think I mean, is brilliant. I, I, yeah, I mean, I love that panel where it, we go through everybody as they're all dressing up in Superman. You see Green Arrow all of a sudden has a spit curl, and we see Green Arrow uh, on a on a turtle in the sea. Yeah. It's Green Arrow, alias Aquaman. It's ready for action. We see all the members dressed up as Green Arrow, and I love when it gets to that last pa panel and it says, "One disguise alone seems er too revealing," and it's Wonder <laughs> Woman, and she goes, "No, I'll never get away with it." I mean, up until this point, Gardner Fox really was not doing characterization. And yeah. th th I feel like this is the earliest moment of sort of irony in a yeah. Silver Age story where you're like, you have to acknowledge to the readers, yeah, this is not going to work. No one is going to be fooled by Wonder Woman in a Green Arrow costume. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense as why the JLAers dress up as Green Arrow to fight their own villains. But, again, like you just said, you kind of go with it. And yeah, the, exactly. The, the villains all figure out that this is, you know – uh, at one point, Dr. Light shoots some fire at Green Arrow, and he ducks out of the way, and that, that indicates that to, to Dr. Light that that's his old foe. And so they all get jailed, and they all get, they all get you know, 
put in uh, put in this jail and they're pretending he's Green Arrow and then they switch forms and it ends up being this giant fight at the end where they resume their identities and it's just a big giant Donnybrook. And one of the things I like about the story that they chose this one to reprint is that it features a two-page splash of all the heroes and villains fighting in one big oh, yeah. group. And it works so well in a treasury size. We see – and they're all punching each other's villains, which I love. Yeah. You've got Aquaman punching Captain Boomerang. Flash is taking out Penguin. Batman is taking out Luthor. It means that they're all trading their villains, and it's so fun to see it. At a giant size, it's just such a. Tr- and th- th- that's one of the reasons I love these these treasuries so much. It's just it's great to see a story like this at this larger size. It's just so much fun. Yeah, this is a gorgeous splash page. Yeah. I love this page. Yeah, it's really nicely drawn. I mean, a lot of artists, if you blow up their work at a large size, it doesn't hold up. But Sikowski and Green, this stuff really did. So it's just a fun story, and it's yeah, seem- very yeah. goofy. Yeah, and it, it seamlessly cuts right back to. The Alex Tote stuff, maybe not too seamlessly, because the art style obviously is very different. But it's yeah. it's 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 a nice framing sequence, and that Superman's like, "Let me tell you a story," and then he tells the story, and you're like, "Oh, I'll go read the story." So then we cut back to the Hall of Justice, and Marvin is like, "Wow, what an amazing adventure!" And the, the tour continues. We get we see more statues of sort of friends of the Justice League, and in this case, it's Robin, Plastic Man, Metamorpho, and Sargon the Sorcerer. And there's a great little bit of a uh, little bit of feminism here, where we have. Uh, Wendy say, hmm, all men. Haven't any women ever worked with the JLA? And we see that the women have their own group. And we have statues of Zatanna, Supergirl, Mira, and Batgirl. And I guarantee that is pretty much the only time Alex Toth ever drew Mira. I I can't think of a single time he's ever had to draw her since. Yeah, I I can't. More more Alex Toth Mira, please. If it's in the archive somewhere, someone please find it. Yeah, I love the body language, too, of Wendy with her finger on her chin. Going, hmm, like I just yeah. love that body language. His so posing is so dynamic. Like his his ability to capture the figure and expression in uh, in so few brushstrokes really is masterful. And and you get that here with Wendy. I mean, it's it's not over rendered. You know, it's it's you can you can trace the brushstroke from the tip of her finger all the way down to the inside corner of her elbow. There, it's so 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 good. Yeah, I love that Black Canary has her hand on Wendy's shoulder too. I, I just it's such, it's so yeah. again it's so warm and friendly, and so after they talk about these women who helped the Justice League, uh, Hawkman interjects and Hawkgirl. She's helped the JLA a few times. I'm proud to say, and I love that he's got his arms folded and his smile. He's so proud of Hawkgirl. It's just yeah, it's just it's so good. <laughs> it just makes it, it makes <laughs> me weep with joy looking at these pages. They're just so beautiful. Yeah, these pages, in the story telling the other stories with Alex Toth's work really stole the show for me. Like, I was like, okay, okay, enough of these reprints. Get back to, uh, you know, just have Superman telling me how he's going to tell me a story with yeah. Alex Alex's artwork because it's so good. Yeah. So then we have a whole little sequence of sort of a pantomime with Wonder Dog where he's pretending to be a superhero and he flexes his muscle. He, he trips on his own cape and he falls over and he wakes up with the whole that, 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 that thing. And... Uh, <laughs> Batman interjects. He says, "Well, you're you're our first four-legged member, but I remember I, I recall a time when I had eight legs, and the Flash had only one. Believe it or not." Da da da. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so then we cut to another reprint, which is the case of the disabled Justice League, which is from Justice League number thirty-six, again by Mike Sikowski, except the inker is Bernard Sachs, uh, written by again Gardner Fox. And the story of this is some of the JLAers stake stage a mock battle with a giant alien to entertain some handicapped children. 
While battling, they find themselves handicapped. Superman goes blind, Hawkman develops asthma, etc. They learn to overcome their handicaps and face several other attacks. Turns out, it's all a plot of the evil Blaine Brainstorm, who ends up controlling them with his mind powers. The other leaguers show up and help them defeat, and then Brainstorm. And they teach a nice lesson to the little kids about how you shouldn't let your handicaps... Uh, you know, overcome you, and you can still do things. You're still a productive member of society. You can still be a person. It's a, you know, is it corny? Yes. Is it on the nose? <laughs> it is completely on the nose. But I don't care because it's so sweet. I mean, it's it's a great yeah. lesson to teach kids. It's the kind of thing you want kids to learn when they're reading comic books. And it ends with a great page where they talk about all the various people of history that have achieved great things despite their disabilities or maybe because of them. And there's little drawings here of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Of course, you know, I love that. Helen yeah. Keller. Do the, do the voice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to do the voice, Luke. Uh, <laughs> Helen, it's for yes. it? Helen Keller, Milton, Demosthenes, Beethoven. It's it, this stuff really kind of makes me tear up because I really like this is what yeah. this is what I want little kids to read in comics and it's got a great little shot yeah. of all the JLAers together. Uh, it's 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 great. I mean, do you what do you think of this story? Uh, yeah, I, I felt the same way. It's a little you know, it's a little on the nose. Um, but again, you know, this I, I was thinking, you know, how how sensitive while I was reading this, I was thinking about how we're pretty sensitive to a lot of these issues today. And, and maybe this is just me talking through my my kid perspective of you know being a kid, um, but I don't feel like there we always had the same sense. I mean, just in my lifetime, you know, we we've seen uh, walkway ramps uh, be added to buildings everywhere, accessibility for for people uh, bound in wheelchairs and stuff like that. Back in this day, you know, this this was still kind of you know new territory to be mm-hmm. thinking about the disabled. So I. I I, I kind of had to take a time machine leap in my brain to go kind of back to this era. And and with that perspective, I was like, this is really cool. I'm glad that they did this. And that's something that I've that I really I really love and respect about older comics is is the social issues that, you know, that they pushed. You know, I think of I think of just even the fact that the Super Friends tried to bring diversity into the show. Mm. And, you know, to me. I think between that and Sesame Street, that was my, you know, I grew up in a pretty homogenous small town, uh, but that that to me was seeing people of all different races and backgrounds coming together, and you know, it just normalized that type of behavior, which is, which is beautiful and wonderful. And so, so this kind of story, I, yeah, like you, I, I'm really glad that, you know, they took the time to do that and to feature it in something, you know, special like this Treasury comic. This last page is really wonderful too. Yeah, the, I mean, the figures from history. Yeah, I mean, they could have picked. I mean, all these stories basically ran the same length, so they could have picked any JLA story, but they ran this one because yeah. it fits with the Super Friends aesthetic. You know, yep. it's the whole notion. And yeah, I mean, you think about yeah, in my lifetime, you know, people in wheelchairs were you know it was sort of shunted <clears> aside or you know whatever. And nowadays, no, we don't have that. That's and yeah, it's an important thing to teach kids. And and I'm really happy that. Uh, that they, I, this is—I'm sure this is the first time I read this story because I think I bought the back issue many years later. So uh, it's really nice. I'm really glad that they, of all the ones to pick, they—they—they they, they picked this one. I think this is great, and you know, it's an yeah. important thing. And so, some of the uh, I, this was even interesting too. Like some of the the disabilities that they were even fighting aren't aren't disabilities that are so debilitating these days. Like Hawkman in the story is struggling with asthma. Right. I was like, where's the inhaler? <laughs> you know, but you know, once upon a time, different 
different situation. So it, in, in one respect, it just highlighted how much times have changed and how far we've come in some of these issues, which was cool. Yeah, it's really very nice. And, it, and there's a new piece of artwork down at the very bottom, and it's got Batman saying, there's a lesson here. I think we got that, Batman. Brainstorm failed to defeat us by handicapping us and even trying to confuse us by making some of us doubles of each other. And then we got Marvin saying, say, wouldn't it be great if someone could change me into the Flash, Green Arrow, Hawkman, Superman, or Green Lantern like Brainstorm could do? And then we cut to another page uh, by Alex Toth where we see Marvin imagining himself as various heroes. We see him as Aquaman. We see him as Hawkman, the Adam, Batman, Superman. And he says, uh, Green Arrow, Green Lantern says, hold it. It's not the powers or weapons you have that wins over evil, Marvin. He's like, oh, yeah, I did, Green Lantern. It's Breen's and teamwork that won for the JLA, even when you're handicapped. And they realize that's a whole lesson, and Wonder Dog gets involved with it, and he says, if, ne- if we stand together, nothing can put us down. And Wonder Dog chimes in, and he gets all excited, and they call him an eager beaver, and it's the whole JLA kind of <laughs> laughing at Wonder Dog <laughs> in his excitement, because he knocks over Marvin and Wendy in the, in the excitement. Uh, and then we move on to another segment, which is really extraordinary, and this is a six or eight or nine page, I, haven't, I should count it. Ten, like, it's ten pages. Ten pages. Sequence by Alex Toth, where he teaches you the world of TV cartoons. This is amazing. (laughs) I mean, this is like, don't go to art school, just have this, you know? Yeah, no kidding. This was incredible. It's so dense, too. Yeah, it's it's all hand, I mean, it's drawings by Alex Toth, and then the, you know, notes by the man. I mean, he frequently did this. He did a lot of things where he wrote out, and his he had perfect handwriting. And he did, yeah, you know, it's great. in his very conversational style. And he managed to fit everything in exactly the space that he needed, which is remarkable. You know, that he yeah. made me think about that he did this. I mean, this is all done in ink. So it's like, did he pencil it and then ink it? Because if he did it in ink first, how did he not make mistakes? I don't know. He had to have, I, I, he had to have penciled this first. I guess. How could you not? Yeah. It's, That's just, it's too, too many words. I mean, I would be, you know how, like when you're a little kid and you're writing like happy birthday, mom and dad on a card and, and you happy birthday to them both. They share the same birthday, but you know, you get to that right. end of the paper and you start right. curling your, <laughs> right. your line up. <laughs> That's how mine would look if I were trying to, to attempt to do this. Yeah. His stuff but this is perfect. It fits to a T. And it, you know, this is something else too, that like Alex Toth, uh, you know, this is aimed for children. Obviously, this book is aimed at children because it's the Super Friends, as all comics pretty much were in 1975. But he doesn't talk down to his audience. I mean, you know, this oh, is not there's, at a, all. there's a lot of technical stuff that I think I remember. I had this book as a little kid, and I didn't understand a lot of this stuff. I mean, there's a there's a there's a section here. It's page three of this this sequence where he talks about the storyboarding, and he says the storyboarding has been used as a filmmaking tool by live action directors through the years by Hitchcock. Daves, Tashlin, Robeson, Kramer, Culp, and Eisenstein. He's, he's mentioning Sergei Eisenstein in a Super Friends comic. I mean, what the hell? Yeah. I don't know what the hell. This is very, yeah. He, he just does, yeah, exactly what you're saying. He doesn't talk down. Uh, I mean, I was learning stuff while going through all of this. It was amazing. It, it's so informative. Um, and such detailed descriptions of things too, for as you know, for as much as he had to squeeze into these pages. Yeah, I mean, and he shows drawings of like the the master reels and the dialogue and the recording and the storyboarding and the guys sitting there with their hard at work. I mean, the the model sheets. I mean, the the amount of detail he goes into is unbelievable. He show you get to see a nice drawing of like the the animators 
sort of the, the glass that they draw on with the transparent cell. He draws a, a chair. He talks about walking, you know, showing how characters in animation walk. He gives an example of how, uh, with his little drawings of this guy flexing his muscle, about how the kind of drawing that you would have in a comic book has got all those modeling lines, but you can't have all that in animation. So you, you see what it looks like in animation with just basically the outside of the form. You see a head rotated 360 degrees to what it would look like. I mean, this thing is, if you didn't have money to go to art school and you wanted to become an animator, boy. <laughs> this is all you needed. This is pretty darn close. <laughs> Yeah, I I was surprised. I, I, the funny thing was when I approached uh, when I approached the back of the book, and I saw these pages just chuck full of text. Now, as a kid, I was all about wanting to look at the pictures. You know, sure, like, a lot of words, and and I would kind of go running. And I got to this, and I kind of had that same response. I was like, Oh my gosh! I didn't realize that this there was going to be an entire book in the back of this book. And so part of me was like, ah, really, I got to read this whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so glad that I did just to, to, to get this education of the process back then from this master of the media. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you enjoyed a cartoon in the seventies, it's you enjoyed the work of Alex Toth basically. Yeah. And the yeah. whole thing ends with two kids watching a cartoon, watching it. And that's, that's me, yeah. man. You know, that is absolutely me. I didn't have bell bottoms or anything, but I mean, that's pretty much me. Watching oh, come cartoons. on. I didn't. I really didn't. Uh, and it ends with a, a, a self portrait of the man with his master reel. And he's, and he it says that this is the end. And it ends with Alex Toth walking off with the film can with a cig- with a pencil in his, I thought it was a cigarette, but it's a pencil. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that looking like a cigarette. It's just wonderful. And there's even more of it on the inside, on the inside back cover. And he goes a whole thing. And there's a whole bit about talking about cinema and all stuff like that on the inside. And there's a little drawing of a kid doing a drawing. I mean, this is, it's amazing how much they gave over of this book to him. Yeah, it's really funny. story. The, the first paragraph on this back inside cover, after after having read the 10 pages of all this dense text, which was incredible, uh, the first pa- uh, the first paragraph on this inside cover really cracked me up. I think I laughed for like two minutes straight. It says, as if to test your tolerance and endurance to the extreme, and my own as well, I've been asked to write my own bio since no one else would, and its writing may prove as cramped and as indigestible as the mini thesis, as my mini thesis about TV cartoons. Yeah, I feel like nobody edited it. Like they just let him just say what he wanted to yeah. say. It's, just, it's such a yep. nice piece. Yeah. Here's the page. Do whatever you want. He ends it with, "I detest stupidity, ignorance, and arrogant disregard for craft. I'm a professional." And I've made enemies of such people through the last 33 years, much to my own disadvantage, I might add. But I am what I am. It's the only way I know how to live a life. I'm as honest a manner as, in an honest a manner as possible. Play it and say it straight, Alex Toth. Have fun, kids. <laughs> he could have written, don't take any shit. He would have, but he really couldn't. Yeah, that was a great sign-off. That was really funny. It's, it's really wonderful. This is such a – I mean, if you like Alex Stowe, this is your book, man, because you're not going to get any any better. And it ends yeah. with the, the back cover ends with a color version of the drawing we see on the inside, and it's got the super friends all waving. And it, instead, the message is, best wishes from your super friends. Oh, I love I those guys. You don't want anything else more this out of is... comics than this. <laughs> This this was all of our dreams, like to hang out with the super friends. Like yep. this makes me want to just be in the Justice League, hanging out with these awesome, great, happy heroes. Yeah, 
Yeah. Now, did you have this book as a kid, or did the one you bought a couple of weeks ago was the first time you ever owned it? First time I ever owned it. Wow. I think I've seen the. the yeah, yeah. Did, yeah you, the did, only... did you did you have treasuries as a kid? No, I didn't. Um, I I don't even. You know, I think I would see them in comic shops. Mm-hmm. But even my exposure to comic shops as a little kid was really rare. Okay. Uh, we had one one comic sh- or one hobby store that sold comics in, in my small town and that's where I would kind of go to get my fix and and they didn't have a lot in terms of collectibles there Mm -hmm. they had back issue boxes but not a whole lot so I I never saw uh, treasury comics and I can't remember the first time I I saw one yeah I mean you're you're, you're young enough that they weren't an ongoing concern by the time you were reading comics so they would have all been yeah they were they were gone and hard to find like kind of like power records i mean you've got mm. your whole your whole podcast for that too these are all things that i love and this is an era of comics that i just adore but uh i i got to the party late and so i've i've kind of had to go back and kind of track some of these things down my first treasury comic is um the batman versus the hulk crossover oh well, that's a good one which <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'll say um yeah and i found that when i was in an antique store uh, for wow. <laughs> some, some time ago, I was like, I'm getting this. So now I, yeah. So that was the first one I ever got. The, the second treasury comic I ever got was, um, I would have to say maybe a year ago or yeah, maybe it was last summer at a flea market was the, the Spider-Man with the big red cover. Oh, the first one. Yeah. The very first Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So I picked that one up. And then those were the only two that I've that I've had until I went to Half Price Books, and they had maybe four or five on a shelf right there, and they were all in great shape with good prices. I and you had just launched the podcast, so I thought, well, now I can read along. This is the perfect <laughs> excuse. I'm glad I could help move the needle a little bit. I mean, but you know, as everyone that knows you knows, you are a great artist, and uh, in terms of not just a creative person, but an artist literally, and then you do illustrations. I mean, I'm sure you have an appreciation for seeing really good artwork at this size, you know, just getting to see it this big. I mean, not only, not only is Alex Toth a master as is Jose Luis Garcia Lopez or do the Batman Hulk, praise be his name, do the Batman yeah, Hulk. Praise be his name. I mean, yep. you're, you're the John Romita Spider-Man cover. You're seeing master artists at a, at a giant size. To me, that is, yeah. is the magic of these things is seeing something so beautiful, but seeing it big is bigger than life. Yeah, to me, when I when I buy books like this, especially at, at especially at this size, to me, I I look at this book and I think this is an art class right now. I'm getting I'm getting to go to art school, and Alex Toth is teaching me how to draw. Yeah, I mean, he really knew how to do a lot with him. I mean, it t- t- kept taking away, take away, take away, make it minimal, 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 and still. Yeah. I mean, you look at that drawing of Wonder Woman on either the front cover or the back cover, and how little detail he's putting in there, and yet. That is Wonder Woman. I yeah. Mean, that is, I mean, you know. That is Wonder Woman. That Wonder Woman on the cover, by the way, that might be one of my favorite drawings of Wonder Woman of all time. It's just so gorgeous. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, she's beautiful. She's sexy, but it's not a gross kind of sexy. It's just womanly sexy. Mm-hmm. She looks great. I lo- And I love that superhero uh, curl in her hair that they used to, they yep. used to draw. Yeah. The highlights she looks the awesome there. Yeah, it looks, it's just, it's just absolutely fantastic. And they said it's, they use his artwork on the opening credits of the Super Friends. And yep. you see those four portraits of the, the, the heroes. It's just so beautiful. And he said, and yeah, this is, this is, you want to hang out with this gang. I mean, you are so wanting to be Marvin or Wendy. 
and get invited yeah. to this and hang out with the Justice League and have them tell stories about Star and just the whole notion of like that the JLA would take the time to like <laughs> give you give you a tour of their like it, it's fantastic. It's just like all the coolest friends you're ever gonna have. Yeah. When did Mar- uh, when did Wendy and Marvin get replaced by the Wonder Twins? Like around seventy six, so they were on their way out by this point. They, this was kind of their last hurrah. This was their last hurrah. Was yeah. this comic, and then they got kicked to the curb. They're Basically. like, "Yeah, we've trained, we've trained you enough. You can go be heroes now." Basically, yeah. They they started off, you know, in the cartoon, and then the Super Friends comic book started around the same time, and then the Wonder Twins came in about a year into the Super Friends comic. So this is kind of the kind of it for them. So uh, who do you prefer out of the teenage sidekicks? I, I never, I, I don't like teenage sidekicks generally, but Marvin and Wendy by a metric ton. I, oh I, wow! Yeah, I, a I, metric I, ton. Yes, yes. Yeah. I, I don't, <laughs> and why is that? Uh, I just found Zan and Jane to be super annoying. Uh, I know that Marvin. I think it's Chris Franklin who is normally such a, a gentle soul, and yet you, I think you bring up Marvin, and he just hates Marvin. <laughs> um, no, I, I like. They're the definitely that, like the most Hanna Barbera addition to the, you know, to the concept. Yes, I, I think if you're going to have teenage sidekicks, I like the idea that they're non-superpowered. I think giving them superpowers is cheating a little, kind of. You know, I'm like, plus I just found, more, you know, form of an ice ladder. What the hell? Who cares about that? Was, <laughs> you know, I'm like, come on. So no, my preference is is Marvin and Wendy. I, I like okay. the way they look. They're real '70s looking. I mean, Wendy's yeah, totally. Flared collar and you know, I, I don't know. I, I mean, this makes me want to. It did make me want to like. Put together a cosplay costume of, of Marvin and Wendy. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be great. That huge butterfly collar on Wendy's shirt. Not that I'm dressing as Wendy, but, uh, you know, I could probably get Jen to dress as exactly. Wendy and I could go as Marvin. And then we could dress, hey, we get Rory or Daphne to, uh, to be Wonder Dog. To be Wonder Dog. Oh, Perfect. my gosh. Now this has to happen. See? There we go. <laughs> and I, yeah, I, don't, I, I didn't like Gleek. I mean, I'm a dog person, too, so, so you, know, you're Wonder Dog anti- or Gleek, you know. That you can only like dogs. You can't like dogs and monkeys. I do, monkeys are fine. I'm just saying if I have to have a preference. <laughs> I'm not on trial here, Luke. Uh, <laughs> the trial of the super friends. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so anyway, that's I mean that's pretty much limited collector's edition C41. This is everything that makes me love treasuries. It's it's special. They made the effort yep. to do the special present, and this one really. I mean, this is this book is fully third new material. Uh, as opposed to uh, the the Batman one, which we talked about in the first episode, which was all reprints. This thing is, you know, fully, uh, you know, gives you a, a, the, all this Alex Toth material and the new cover and all this stuff. So yeah. it is, to me, this is like one of the great examples of why I love Treasuries, why I'm doing this show. And I'm really glad that you wanted to talk about this one because I said this one just warms my heart so, so much. Yeah, it gives me great joy just yeah. holding it, looking at it. Do all the do all Treasury comics have all the little activities and stuff sprinkled throughout the books? A lot of them did. A lot of them did because I mean they were reprinting stories where they had a half page, and yeah. so they would jam in you know extra material. I mean they had to kind of make it fit because of, yeah. you know because of the format. So that's the thing I like about it. I thought those were kind of fun too. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love it. It, it kept you entertained for hours. These books. You know, I mean, it just, it's just so much fun. And yeah, it mentions yep. how, how a cartoon is created by Alex Toad. It's just, it's just great. This is one of, DC did a lot of great treasuries. This is one of the best ones. So uh, this is awesome. So I really enjoyed uh, talking to, to you about this. This was awesome. I'm really glad that this was one that you found. 
Is this just, Oh yeah. How much Me too. For, how I much lit up it? when I saw that. I was like, this. Oh yeah. I, I almost didn't care what the price was. Right. But I got it for only I don't know ten bucks. Oh, so, total deal. Total yeah, deal. What a steal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm really glad that I got the chance to talk to you about this comic. Awesome. Well, again, thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you so much for the the theme. Again, it's so wonderful. I really Good. love it. it just gives so <laughs> I'm much glad you like it. To hear about it. So, uh, where can yeah. people find you on the internet? Uh, I'm kind of sprinkled about the internet in a, a lot of different places. Um, my so I started uh, my own design business some time ago that I called Dob Creative, and um, I, I walked away from that. I still freelance, but I I, I walked away from that. Uh, for the most part, a few years ago, but I've kept the handle. Mm-hmm. So Dob Creative is my handle for Twitter. Uh, you can look up Dob Creative on Facebook. I'm, I have a, a page there. Uh, I'm on Tumblr as Dob Creative. Um, and and recently, within the last couple of years, I started a page on Patreon, right? Where I uh, am posting uh, my my work there regularly and um, interacting with the. Uh, small and growing fan base so that's been a lot of fun too so if you're if you see my work and you like it and you want to be just a regular supporter and and help me uh you know free me up to to do more of it that is some place you could go and and participate in that process absolutely the treasury cast endorses luke dobbs patreon Absolutely, (laughs) posting a lot of great everyone knows everyone here listening knows luke stuff and you haven't seen it you'll see the there's a link to dob creative in the show notes so click on over and check it out and check out his Patreon page. And we, need, we need to support artists. Luke's a great one. So absolutely, it's worth it. So, oh, thanks. Um, so, again, thank you so much for, for coming on, man. I really had a lot of fun. This was just such a blast to talk about. Yeah, thank you, Rob. I really appreciate it. This was, <laughs> this was a great book. All right. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody stay tuned. Uh, we're going to have some podcast promos. And we're going to go back. I'm going to do some listener feedback. So we'll catch you on the other side. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year 3. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Collins. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, when Batman fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? My name's Nathaniel, and I'm here to tell you about an exciting new podcast. What are you doing? Oh, hey, Liz. I'm just recording the the podcast promo. You're recording the promo for the Punch Like a Girl podcast? Yeah. You. Yeah, I'm, I'm one of the hosts. I have more podcast experience. What? 
You're going to sit there and mansplain to people about a podcast focusing on graphic novels and trade collections with female protagonists? Um, oh. Yeah. Can I at least tell them how it's available on iTunes and Stitcher and at punchlikeagirlpod.wordpress.com? No. Shoot. All right, well, hang on. I'll delete this. We'll try again. That's not delete. That's the button for publish. All right, so we're back, and we are going to do some listener feedback all about our debut episode, which featured my pal Dan Greenfield from 13dimension.com talking about limited collector's edition C-37, the Batman all-villains issue. On iTunes, we're going to start with the iTunes reviews. We have one from Geekerino. It says, great one. Another great show in the Fire and Water family. Keep taking my money. Oh, wait. It's free. Yes, it is, Geekerino. All of our uh, content is free, but of course, if you want to make donations, I'm happy to provide you with a PayPal address. Uh, my pal, the Irredeemable Shag, says, giant-sized, awesome, fun. Such a fun, high-energy podcast. While I only own a small handful of Treasury Comics myself, I've always respected the format. Now with this podcast, I see why it should be revered. So many fun stories and activities. I can imagine if I bought these as a kid, they'd be among my most treasured possessions, pun intended. Rob and guests bring a real sense of fun to the show, and their enthusiasm is highly infectious. Thank you very much, Shag. I appreciate that. Flash fan number one calls it a gem. Host Robert J. Kelly is uncovering the beauty in a format of comics sadly lost to time. It's a reunion with a beautiful relic. Thank you, Flash fan. And Count Drunkill, a.k.a. Ryan Daly, from, of course, the Fire and Water Podcast Network, says, Bigger is better. Rob Kelly, host of Pod Dylan and the Film and Water Podcast, tackles another one of his passions on this terrific new podcast, Treasury Comics. Every episode, Rob and a guest review one of the legendary magazine-sized comics published, bigger than magazine, Ryan, published by DC and Marvel Comics. This series reprinted some of the finest, funniest, and sometimes weirdest adventures of Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, The Incredible Hulk, plus reprints of Marvel's adaptations of Star Wars, scary stories from DC's House of Mystery, and that time when Superman fought Muhammad Ali. Size matters, and the Treasury cast is as oversized and glorious as the comics it covers. Check it out today. Thank you, Ryan. And thank you to everybody for the iTunes reviews. As we've mentioned on every one of our shows, it helps get the show noticed the more reviews it has. So these reviews, all of which are five stars, thanks, guys, really does help out. I mean, we are the only show about Treasury comics, but it'll nevertheless uh, help the show get found. So thank you very much for the iTunes reviews, and keep them coming. Uh, in terms of the feedback that we got on the website, we start off with my pal Chuck Coletta, Charles Coletta. He says, wow, what a good issue to start off your new show. I still, ha- I still have this one, and we'll dig it out today as you discuss it. FYI, one of the best treasury-sized books you can get is the Gasoline Alley Collection, Sundays with Walt and Skeezix. It measures 19.2 by 23.5 inches. Who says size doesn't matter? This is a must for anyone who loves great comics art, and he helpfully provides an Amazon link. That sounds really cool. I really am only vaguely familiar with Gasoline Gasoline Alley, but that sounds uh, like a really cool book because that's 23.5 inches. That's huge. Uh, Ryan Daly uh, also left a comment. Uh, He says, great discussion, guys. Terrific first episode. I don't have this Treasury Edition. But I certainly want it now after listening to you two talk about it, if nothing else for the newspaper strip Two-Face story. Yes, I, as I said on the show at the time, that sequence alone is worth the price of admission. So if you can pick the book up, like if you can find it for like five, ten bucks somewhere in just decent condition, absolutely worth getting. Bradley Null says, loved hearing people who love what they are covering. So much fun. Great episode. Great new show. Thank you, Bradley. 
Ange, Dr. Ange, says, Great episode and concept. Always wanted this one, and now I want it more. Two-Face Hanged is a pretty grisly event for the Sunday comics. Reminds me of some of the more grisly acts in the Dick Tracy treasury. And he says, I have a dandy of an answer for your what treasury should have happened question, Rob. Maybe I'll get to answer it someday. Bet on it, Ange. David A. Gutierrez says, wonderful inaugural episode and a terrific premise. We got everything in this one. The origin of Namtab. Young Rob K.'s adorable homemade Batcave story. Mama K.'s discovery. Looking forward to more. Didn't Wonder Woman get a treasury? Didn't she fight Superman in one? Or does that not count because it wasn't a solo outing? Uh, yes, David. She, that absolutely, you know, I think it does count. And yes, she fought Superman in Superman versus Wonder Woman. But when I think of uh, Wonder Woman not getting her own treasury, I mean the way that Superman and Batman and Rudolph and some other characters and Shazam got treasury collections all to themselves that were, you know, reprint collections of some of their best stories. And Wonder Woman never got one of those, and she absolutely deserved it. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. And we'll get back to that in another, uh, in another question uh, in a moment. Chris Franklin from the Superman's Podcast says, Great start to what I know will be a great series. I've always coveted this book, but I've never run across it in the wild. I remember the cover taunting me as a kid from one of the back issues I picked up from the flea market. Now I want it even more. I'm a big fan of Dan's 13th Dimension and enjoy his guest spots on John S. Drew's Batcave podcast. It was great to hear him here. The absence of the Riddler probably would have bothered me too. DC marketed the big four from the TV series on everything. The Joker would sometimes appear alone, but if it was more than him, it was the other three, including Riddler. Again, great show. Can't wait for more. Thank you, as always, Chris. Shag also left a comment. Thanks, guys. Great first episode. I feel I know Rob pretty well, and all these years, after all these years of recording together, I can testify just how much he loves the Treasury Edition. You hear him smiling throughout the episode. Rob and Dan's enthusiasm was infectious. A very fun and high-energy episode. While I only own a small handful of Treasury comics myself, and he said that in a review, of course, I always respected the format, and he basically repeats the comment that he left on iTunes, so thank you very much, Egg. I really appreciate it. Lucien Dazar says, That was one fun episode, Rob. Your Treasury site was the first thing I came across before finding the Aquaman Shrine. Of course, Lucien is referring to TreasuryComics.com. I never got these uh, editions as a kid. I don't ever even remember seeing them, the Blue, Red, Blue Ribbon Digest I did. I started collecting a few treasure editions, and they do bring me that little spark as a kid, bring me back to that little spark as a kid to read them. May I suggest a Christmas episode for Treasury Comics? Why were there so many Rudolph issues? That is a riddle for the ages, Lucian, other than I guess he was just a big, big star. Uh, we'll get to that in a moment in terms of a uh, Christmas episode. Jimmy McGlinchey says, Excellent episode, Rob. Great to hear the enthusiasm on the subject. Never came across the format myself, other than the Alex Ross oversized formats in the 1990s, 2000s. But the stories you described here are full of fun. Looking forward to the next episode. Thank you, Jimmy. Edo Buznar says, This is a wonderful idea for a podcast series, and I thoroughly enjoy listening to your first episode. As other commenters noted above, your enthusiasm for these here's that word again. I wish I had a nickel. I remember enthusiasm for these books really shines through, Rob. I think my favorite part was when you shared your memories of getting that stack of treasury books from your dad to read in the office while he worked. It just brought a big smile to my face. Yeah, me too. By the way, on the topic of Wonder Woman, you mentioned there was never a treasury edition featuring her, but don't those two famous first editions you have pictured on your treasury site count? One thing that strikes me as a real injustice is that all out of all those D Digest DC pubs from the late 70s well into the 80s, there's not a single one dedicated to Wonder Woman. Anyway, I'm looking forward to future episodes, especially when you get to some of the treasuries I recall having. Um, yes, Edo, I would absolutely, again, say that those famous first editions count. They reprinted Sensation Comics number one and Wonder Woman number one. But again, like I'm thinking about when I say Wonder Woman never got a treasury, I mean the kind of... Batman, Tarzan, Shazam, Rudolph collection 
that a lot of, you know, that were done where they were like, let's do a nice cross section of the character's history in a treasury format. Wonder Woman never got one. Aquaman never got one. Not surprised. Aquaman 70s was a rough time for Aquaman. Flash never got one. Green Lantern never got one. So clearly the bar was set fairly high, but I still think Wonder Woman really deserved one. And I actually made up a, a mock-up Wonder Woman uh, treasury cover, which I posted on our Twitter feed, which is at Treasury Comics over on Twitter, uh, thanks to the help of Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, crazy his name, and our pal Zoom Yukonori. So I made up a whole fake treasury cover. So uh, check it out. It got a lot of likes and retweets, which made me very happy. Little Russell Burbage says, I love treasury comics. I bought most of them for sure, Batman and Shazam ones. I look forward to listening to this podcast because with all my moves, I basically don't have any of these comics anymore. This was one. This was always one of my favorites because of what you guys talked about. The great cover, the great collection of stories, and the great characters. I did try to make that diorama, and it was a pain in the ass to cut around Batman's cape. I had confidence in my ability to do a good job, but yeah, it didn't turn out pretty. Russell, I think you're probably bringing hard on yourself. I'd like to see photos. And finally, uh, Frank Diablo Frank says, uh, surprisingly, he starts off with, I do not agree that treasuries are the greatest comic for men of all time. I find them unwieldy and flimsy so that the few that survive from childhood are in grotesque shape. Even the ones I purchase as an adult and have a nasty tendency to shed covers through rips or cracks and generally fall apart. I have to devote a whole shelf of my bookcase to less than four inches worth of cruddy-looking treasuries, and I especially wish my poor battered Steranko histories, bound together with scotch tape, would get republished as plain old books to better serve as resources. At least the Alex Ross books, which I don't own, were square-bound and eventually hard-bound together, so I wasn't afraid to read them like I am the giant-sized kung fu Bible stories I bought last year. But then again, it should come as a surprise to no one that I don't even find comic books to be the best size for comic books. Give me a magazine format or digest any day. But hey, I enjoyed the podcast, and it sounds like a swell collection for Batman Rogue introductions. I love that cover. Yes, Frank, thank you again for being uh, contrarian, as always. But uh, no, I think there's there's an argument there. One of the reasons that the treasuries died out is because they weren't very popular among collectors, and they really started to die out right as collectors came in and, and sort of took over the industry. Because, yeah, because of what you just said, they couldn't be stored properly. I mean, to me, I could just put them on a the bookshelf with my other books. It's not that big of a deal. But, yeah, they, that was – and that might even be something worth covering on the show one day, the kind of like form versus function argument about, you know, to me, why do I read a comic book? Well, you know, for the stories, for the entertainment value, and to me, the entertainment value is increased if it's something really special and you get to see it at that large size. I don't really care if I can't keep it in mint condition. But clearly I'm in the minority, and probably in the 80s I probably felt similarly about you know condition. I don't feel that way now, but – you know, I think that's probably part of the why the treasuries went the way they did is because they were hard to store. And a couple of years ago when DC did the um, Wednesday comic series, you know, I don't think that was terribly popular because it was done in that newspaper format. And you like it inherently can't be kept in mint condition because it's printed on newsprint. It's not stapled. And I think a lot of comics fans were just like, what, what is this thing? So comics fans really need to have everything in mint condition. So I understand that argument. And I said it might be worth considering as the topic of an episode for uh, in the future. Anyway, thanks everybody for writing in. I really appreciate the comments. There was a lot of comments for the first episode, and people really seem to pick on, pick up on like the, again the enthusiasm I had. And I do, I love these books so much. So, uh, and I'm glad that that came through in the first episode. Dan's a great guest as always, and we'll definitely have him back. Uh, regarding uh, Twitter, we got a bunch of retweets, and we and I thank everybody for that. We got retweets from Thirteen Dimension, which is Dan Greenfield. He did a lot of promotion for the uh, episode, which I really appreciate. Adam Thanos Pod. 
Aurelio Capuana, Bronze Age Babies, BTB Blog, Carl Charlton underscore Hero, Coffee Comics Blog, Comics in the Golden Age, Dob Creative, Dr. Ann 70, L Orbello, Freebird 316, Gar- Garujo 1, Goren Garak, Geek Tweeters, It's Plastic Man, Jimbo 32, Plastic Man, there's another character that deserves treasury, Jimbo 32, Kyle Betting Art, Mood Steer, Mountain Flower 1, which is MTN FLWR1, P. Ginder, Bold Spine, Ryan Dalio 1, Scott Rowland, Siskoid, Spider Man Ross, Tijens XLV, The Toy Room, Trumbull Comic, and Warlord Worlds. And over on Facebook, we got, sh- I got uh, shares and likes from Frank Allen, Greg Rujo, Keechee Baker, DeBeche, Kyle Banning, Coffin Comics Blog, Luke Dobb, Ryan Daly, Anthony Durso, Sean Emmons, Thomas Fovey, I hope I pronounced that right, David Foster, Chris Franklin, Jeremy Gunter, David Gutierrez, Gene Hendricks, Chris Karam, Abel Badilla, Andrew Leyland, Shag Matthews, Sean M. Myers, Clint Robinson, Pat Sampson, Michael Scuduro, Scudurio, sorry, Michael Michelle Siskoid Albert, Ruth Sutherland, Leslie Hall Trigg III, Michael Wagner, and Robert Ward. And we got comments from Abel Badilla who says, Wow, that was a trip down memory lane. Thanks. And Gord Tolton says, Congrats on, congrats on the new cast, Rob. It's big, oversized, and I do not know where I'm going to store it. In your mind, Gord. In your mind. So uh, thanks, everybody, for the feedback. I really appreciate it. Um, I was pretty confident that this was going to be a good show to do because I knew I had such energy for it, and I think that's the number one thing you need to bring to a podcast is, is kind of the enthusiasm and energy for the topic. But starting a new show is always a little scary because you, you want people to respond to it, and this got a really great response, and I'm really happy about that, and I can't wait to do more episodes. And speaking of that, we it was mentioned a couple uh, comments ago about doing a Christmas-themed episode. And, yeah, there is plans to do at least one more Treasury cast before the Christmas season, and it will be focusing on one of the Christmas comics. So that is in the works. So just keep your eye on the feed, and it will pop up eventually. So, uh, as always, uh, thanks, everybody, for commenting and sharing and liking and commenting. It's just great and really made me feel really good that the, this episode was so well-received. You can find the show over on Twitter at the handle, which is at Treasury Comics, which is the dual feed for the website, treasurycomics.com, and the podcast. And, of course, you can find the show and all our other great shows over on our website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. We've just started a bunch of new shows. There's Nightcast. We have um, It's Pit Midnight, the podcasting hour. We have a lot of great shows over on the network, and I'm really happy that Treasury Cast is now part of it. So thanks, everybody, for listening. I got a big thanks to Luke Dobb for joining me in this episode to talk about Super Friends. That was a lot of fun, and thank him again for the killer theme. I just love it. brings a smile to my face every time I hear it. So, uh, yeah, thanks, everybody, for listening, and until the next episode, go big or go home. (laughs) 